0: new ransomware payouts and and i I think that's great we let last last uh last bnb we saw uh that uh ransomware gang was using AnyDesk, which is commercial you know admin tools and now we're seeing ransomware gangs have their own call centers i mean if if it's not clear that that ransomware is just the dark economy business then i mean what else proof do you need
1: I mean, ransomware gangs should start up their own uh, Salesforce accounts, and keep Better. track of their customers. They out. probably do. They probably do. <laughs> 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 CRM baby.
0: Welcome to another episode of Bourbon and Data Breaches, where we cover five of the most interesting data breaches from this last week, and one, Hi, Mike. Of, our, <laughs> and one of our favorite bourbons. I'm Steve. Mike.
2: Tibia. Yeah.
3: Shoot. Um, <laughs> I'm Miguel. Your-
4: Tom.
1: <laughs> for a second time, howdy, I'm Shu. <laughs> Did, uh, Divya, what happened this week?
2: Okay guys, so the first story I'm going to cover is from Belarus and uh, the Belarus railways hack marks a first for ransomware where the Belarusian politically motivated hackers known as Belarusian cyber partisans announced on Twitter and Telegram that they have breached the computer systems of Belarusian railways, the country's national. What do you guys have to say about this?
4: I'll jump in. I just think that this is a great example of, of people who aren't even motivated by money, but but they understand the power of saying, no, wait a minute, you can't bring those troops across our land because cyber attacks, you know, ransomware, but everything else is just being used for power. And they understand it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the age of hacktivism, we all thought it was dead with Anonymous, but it's clearly alive and well.
5: Yeah, you know, what's interesting is I don't think we've seen a politically motivated hack in the U.S. since the abortion clinic
0: yeah a couple couple months ago which is
5: which is really fascinating it it, it doesn't crop up too often but when it does it's very interesting and the the epic breach of course Mm -hmm. well i mean we we saw a lot of them with anonymous back during
0: occupy wall street and they didn't Mm -hmm. actually accomplish anything Mm -hmm. but i think that we're going to see it much more as a weapon of war or a a weapon of protest Mm
4: -hmm.
1: that's right I definitely think if something happens in uh, in Ukraine, you're going to see uh, that used on both sides as uh, as one form of uh, of weaponry. Yeah.
2: I want to point out that they're also calling out, like they're they've called for the release of fifty political prisoners. So yeah, I don't know how that ties into this? What are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, I, I like to think of hackers after the Joker. Like when you see him ranting on Batman on the Dark Knight and you and you see him t- saying, oh, I'm a man of simple taste and I, I, I like powder, dynamite, you know, things exploding. Well, I like to think of hackers like that every now and then. Like one of them would actually be like the Joker and they would want to publish, for example, the Pfizer um secrets and and all the the data they have on the vaccine they just publish it because
2: they
3: want to see the world burn or something like that i mean not everybody of course does that luckily or unfortunately i will leave the audience decide that but every now and then we get one rogue hacker that would say hey i'm I'm gonna do i'm gonna make a difference (laughs) i don't know if it is a good or a bad difference but they are out to, to make a difference.
4: Well, and you know, I think for most people, we've heard, oh, cyber <clears throat> cyber warfare is worse than conventional warfare, nuclear warfare. Well, I think now we're beginning to see it where the real power in the world, I mean, someone can literally pull some strings with either they can hack something, tie it up in knots, steal all the information, embarrass everyone. And they can force decisions like at the UN Security Council level. It's it's powerful, right? It's really powerful.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- this was so Belarus. Uh, the citizens of Belarus, what, what recourse do they have if if troops are coming into their country? Um, if they're dealing with you know a regime that is uh, maybe a dictator or you know has dictator like qualities. Uh, the average person can't really do anything about that. But when you deal with uh, the internet and cyber war, anyone can do anything, right? Amazing. And, uh, yeah, and, and so you know, it, it's not like uh, citizens these days have a lot of, of power other than the power of protest, but there's also the power of cyber war. Um, and, and I think that with uh, political issues this year being so hot, we're gonna see uh, citizens taking that power into their own hands, and and for for better or worse, who who knows what what the recourse will be? You know, uh, uh, two weeks ago we talked about reevil being arrested. Uh, I guarantee reevil breaking into colonial pipeline uh, was a direct cause and effect for them being arrested, and so. You can have actions that
5: have wide-ranging consequences. That they may not always be intended. On the same hand, it's interesting to see there's like a if you give a mouse a cookie type effect, which is, you know, sure, okay, you tied up all the rails, maybe we release the political prisoners. But the question is where it goes from there. So I think it's a very blurry line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I can understand and sympathize with some of the folks that that tied up the rail system and why. Um, but it's a it's a very tricky power that's obviously unmonitored. And so it can right. it can easily
6: be used for the wrong ends. Yeah. Tom. I think something to consider or think about is the elasticity of the fact that for two years of this constriction of of freedom for things. we don't there's no analytics. We haven't we haven't visited this before. and now with Ukraine, Belarus, and, and Russia coming into play, we don't know. And so that does two things. It ups the ante because of the unknown. so therefore the powers that be don't necessarily know how to react, whether it's via cyber or via troops coming in. And to Steve's point about the the general populace, and because so people have been so pent up, so getting out and doing something and showing something means something, but being ex-military, doing something cyber, you take away the marketing aspect of things of seeing blood and seeing people and seeing you know death. So that is something that I think is being factored into um, any asymmetric or any kind of response.
0: Story number
2: two. So, for story number two, this was trending all over the internet, and this is Lynn County, and they were attacked uh, by a ransomware attack, and they're still working to get up and running after an attack. So, I do want to point out that the administrator um, said that he's never seen something like this in his 28 years working for the country. What do you guys have to say about this story?
0: I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, I guess this is new. You're not, you would not have seen yeah. it in
3: 1995. No, no. I fully agree. I mean, it's like saying, wow, I never seen in my old thousand years of life an airplane. I mean, yeah, yeah. probably yeah. not going to happen. Yeah,
1: no, no. Going back to Tom's, Tom's statement from past story, we are in, in, uh, in new uncertain times for, for everything.
0: I I find it odd that someone in any sort of level of government would be surprised by ransomware. Yeah. We've had so many cases. Like yeah. Durham had to pay out because all of their systems Atlanta. and then and then Baltimore and Atlanta. I mean, probably there are several counties sur- surrounding this county that have already had to pay out. So mm-hmm. It it seems weird that any government official would be like ransomware. What? I'm surprised. Well, Well, they've
1: been they've been really, really frequent prevalent in the past year or two. Right. So it's been in the time scale of government. That's really recent.
0: uh, Yes, We, we so. Hack notice tracks ransomware gangs, we were tracking about a dozen at the beginning of 21. We are close to 60 at the end of 21 right and we fully expect to be up to 100 plus by the end of this year. Um, And and it, yeah, I mean that's that's hard to grasp, but uh, news media has done a pretty good job covering these cases. Um, you know, re very much been in the news, especially with Colonial mm-hmm. Pipeline. So I, I would hope anyone in government or infrastructure is well aware of
4: the threat. I yeah, actually
3: I, feel the, the same, the exact opposite way, because I would be very surprised if a if a traditional politician was aware of what even ransomware means. Right. Because I, I mean... I cannot talk about the US politicians, but I can talk about the Argentinian politicians. And these are guys that are thinking that an election is going to be won by making adverts and publicity on the television, whereas our previous governor, our, our previous president, won the election by publici- by making publicity throughout Instagram, Facebook. so. And that guy somehow got it and i'm pretty sure that it was because of all the people that were surrounding him but politicians are like a very old fashioned minded so i'm i'm really not surprised that they are not even aware of what ransomware is let well, alone smishing. Yeah. Well,
0: I, I think that I think that's fair, but, but this was not a politician, this was an administrator right, yeah. so, so this, this was a government worker and, yeah. and I would hope that government workers would have had to go through at least one security or threat awareness uh, training course where they Uh. have to be introduced to what awareness uh, of ransomware is. You
1: you have far far too much credit and far too, you have far too much faith in the workings of city and county government.
2: No, but like in the article, they also (laughs) mentioned that like, you know, Paul, Paul, you pointed this out earlier that make sure your company has the right software in place so your employees know not to click on spy or spyware. They, have, they
4: don't have, have a clue.
2: System. So it's, it's just so strange that they're thinking years behind and then like hackers are like years ahead of
6: us. The, the,
5: I think the problem is that for a lot of counties, this has been a voluntary lurching into the future, right? We, we all remember when our county switched from the card catalog in the library to the digital scanner of which of which book you're, mm-hmm. you're taking out, right? So I think for, especially for local governments, it's been a choice of whether you're not or whether or not you're gonna embrace the future. Mm. And I think that in, by 2022, what we found out is whether you're ready or not, the future is ready to embrace you. Well, well you, you and I, so Mike and I both at separate
0: times had to go to Georgetown, Texas, to go to the Williamson County uh, uh, Clerk's Office and file physical papers with the clerk, right? Like, I, we, we have to file papers. There's no digital way to do that. We have to, like, physically show up and hand them papers. Not efficient. And, yeah. and so when you think of, of uh, municipal governments, you, you don't think of, of efficiency or like high digital uh, security, but that's going to have to change because governments, uh, they have a lot of information about citizens, critical information that could be used for identity theft. You know what they have a lot of? Parking. parking. <laughs> they, have, they do have a, a lot of parking. parking. Every <laughs> <laughs>
2: right, like you had to point yeah. out that they, if you see they that are one in billboard. the basement,
0: yes, the, the city the of Georgetown's okay. clerk's office is in the basement, and I feel that there is them. no natural light. Give them a window, Georgetown. Yeah. I
3: think, I think Mike Nailed would, yeah, his phrase I mean, whether or not you're ready to embrace the future, the future is going to embrace you, yeah, yeah. or attack you. It's not, it's not-
0: before that. I think it's time for a bourbon break. Now we're talking. So uh, the bourbon for this week is a local bourbon. It's still Austin, and it's their cask strength bourbon whiskey. Um, Now, we've had still on bourbon and breeches before, but we've had their musician. So this is is a different bottle. This is a different bourbon. Uh, This is cask strength, which is 118 proof or 59% so uh, it's coming in uh, at a pretty high proof and it's aged uh, for two years now we we were uh, not big fans of the musician. But uh, I will say that this has been very enjoyable. Do, do, do you have some more details about it? Yes,
2: that? absolutely. So on their website, Still Austin claims that it, in the mash bill, it has 70% white corn, 25% rye, 5% malted barley, and 100% Texas. Very typical. Uh, tasting notes is nose is brandy, cherries, muddled muddled mint, cinnamon toast. Palette is grilled peaches, butterscotch, pecan pie, dark brown sugar, and the finish is a rice spice, nutmeg, and uh, clove. And uh, on total one, it's going for $49 for 750 mils. So, what do you guys have to say about this? I'll do you have notes? And, uh,
0: yeah, so I mean, it is pricier, but you're also uh, buying something that's Forty proof higher than the typical off-the-shelf bourbon so you, you expect that plus it's cask strength which means that uh, they have less that they can sell um, and typically they select better bottles for cask strength you know they, they really want it to, to be a, a premium bourbon um,
5: you know I wouldn't expect it to be spicier it's not overwhelming at all it's very tasty I, I think I really like the corn in this because,
0: so I've had some Texas bourbons that use a very aggressive corn that tastes just very corny. I like this white corn. It's smooth. It, it blends well into the background. And, and I wouldn't say this is a corn forward bourbon, even though it's 70%. I think with this, I'm getting a lot of uh, I'm getting a lot of like sweet grains. I pick up on the rye
5: though in the aftertaste Yeah, yeah th-
0: there's some rye spice at the end. I just, I characterize this as, so it's a very warm, obviously with alcohol, but it's it's warm to the taste. It's got a very interesting grain, malty mm-hmm. kind of caramely flavor, uh, a medium to long finish with a little bit of rye spice at the end. Um, I'm quite impressed. I think I think still Austin. We tried them a year ago, and they, they gaining my attention. Um, but I saw a lot of people that liked bourbon that recommended this bottle, <clears throat> picked up the bottle, and it just blows what they did a year yeah. ago out of the water.
5: What's interesting is for the meat, for such complex flavors, you would expect that there would be a long finish, but then the rye spice kind of burns everything off. And it lingers as long as it should and then not not after. For, this is nice sipping bourbon. For, a,
0: for 118 proof, yeah. it's surprisingly smooth. I agree. And it, it does not have a, a big alcohol burn. In fact, I think we had a worse alcohol burn from Rebel Yell, oh my <laughs> which was like 80 proof. Don't but, doubt
3: it
2: or red blooded she might know yeah about that. I, I think that was more
0: of a gloober but right? I, I, also
2: glue.
5: Used, I also use red <laughs> or yellow to strip a table right. Finish. Yeah.
2: This,
0: this, is, this is smooth this is well made um I'm, I'm quite impressed uh if you can find a bottle of it if you're not in the, the texas area it may be hard but if you can find a bottle of it um i think it makes for it, it is a flavor that's unlike any other bourbon that that I've had. So I, I, I think it's uh, recommended for its novelty. Okay, hey
2: guys, uh, let's move on to story number three. And uh, this one is from Open Subtitles. And Open Subtitles hacked data breach affects 7 million subscribers. And they acno- acknowledged the data breach and confirmed that hackers managed to steal and leak email, hash passwords, and usernames. What do you guys have to say about this breach? I think the
5: fact that they still use Comic Sans <laughs> is highly endearing. Anybody
4: you else say it's comical? <laughs> would you? No,
5: just me. All right.
1: Yeah, look, look. In the grand scheme of things, an open subtitles data breach is not exactly like attacking Colonial Pipeline, but it's mm-hmm. your information. Years ago, when we did this, I, I, I. I think off the top of my head, I, I would have guessed at least 50% of the data breaches we saw had unencrypted passwords. Hopefully it's lower now, but here we are, You know, we're still grabbing a lot of these smaller sites that you submit your information and you don't know what you're submitting and how they're getting exposed. We, we,
0: I think we're seeing hash passwords Less and less, which is good because you you should be using something stronger like bcrypt, um, more advanced algorithms. Uh, but obviously, sites like this are still just hashing. And I'm assuming from what uh, what I'm reading, it's an unsalted hash that's easily reversed, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, basically, it's plain text. I find it interesting that the hacker broke in through Telegram. So Telegram has been incredibly popular with hackers we are in a lot of very weird telegrams with hackers very weird and they post a lot of weird stuff like telegram i don't really know what to do with it because it's incredibly popular hackers are almost moving to telegram instead of hacker forms um but it's It it just it's weird. But hacker went through Telegram to break into uh open subtitles. So
3: okay. As as a consumer of subtitles, I gotta say, uh the article says they
5: didn't change their admin password, which was super low security, by the way. And we find it interesting that they didn't do (laughs) that. (laughs) I find it interesting since 2006 or something, uh, when the website was launched. Yeah. I mean, you had at least 15 years to think of a nice password for us, the people who only wanted to hear Batman deliver justice without a, a Mexican accent. Yeah. So shame on you. Shame on you, open subtitles. You find I gotta got go with that yes. We well. find it interesting that when you founded your <laughs> website, I literally could have been born. And then by the time you were breached, come up with a better password. I got
3: to agree with that. If I'm doing everything right and I'm downloading a movie and I, and I just want subtitles, I'm entitled to, to have some kind of warranty, you know? Wait,
1: wait, wait. wait. So, so I'm reading this article. It says here, I find it interesting that the first sentence of the second paragraph says, OSS revealed that they didn't implement robust security measures as cybersecurity wasn't a, such a critical issue back in 2006, blah, blah, blah. So are you saying that robust security measures were just to change their admin password?
5: You can't trust any freemium software out there these days. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. So yeah, when I first read that, I thought it was just like they had technical debt, they didn't pay it.
0: Nope.
2: Let's move on to story number four and this is very insightful to me because uh, apparently now school this school district reports a 334 percent hike in cybersecurity insurance costs, and uh, it's Bloomington School District, 87 in Illinois, and uh, it has published that their cyber insurance renewal details and the cost has jumped from almost seven thousand dollars to 23000 dollars this
5: year. Let's talk about what's happening in the industry. When cyber insurance first came out, let's let's go in the way back machine. It was very much like tiger insurance. People came up to you and they said, listen, I'll give you a hundred you you give me a thousand dollars a month. And if you ever get mauled by a tiger, I will pay your hospital fees. And really what it was is it was monopoly money. And it was money coming from Mm -hmm. nowhere. SMBs medium sized businesses, enterprise businesses, and then all of a sudden enter the age of working from home, enter the age of never coming on prem, enter the age of we will mail you a laptop and everybody's working from home and there's tigers everywhere. And so honestly, the insurers are having to adjust because they're used to introducing lines of businesses that have been historically profitable that are all of a sudden in the red because they're paying claims for the first time. And it's, it's, it's that, an- That is exactly
1: reward. right. First, you have to see total liability, 4 million in 2016, 22 million now. Yeah, it was free money for insurance companies when they first came in. So just offer it. Now they have to pay out and they have to put numbers analysis on everything. And I'm like, oh my God, it's expensive to pay out.
0: It, here's the problem. They made cyber insurance reasonable and customary. Mm. So everyone that was a standard business had to get cyber insurance because it was cheap, it was easy, and it protected against a big, scary thing. Now it's unprofitable for them. And so they're trying to figure out how to make it profitable by jacking up fees and dropping people from coverage. Mm-hmm. We were dropped from coverage.
2: I remember right
0: now. We, we had a cyber insurer as a cyber company. And they said, we will no longer insure you. And it was like, why? Why would you no longer insure us? And and the reasoning is without them actually saying it, it's because, well, uh, you're a small business and we don't really know how secure you are,
5: right? So the question is, how do you prove effective due diligence against the number one cause of ransomware so that your insurers don't drop you? Like we have businesses
0: that literally use us to prevent ransomware mm-hmm. and we ourselves, were not immune from this whole insurance thing. So we'll, we'll be covered. There's, there's a million other, a million other insurers that, that would be happy to cover us, but it's, it's ridiculous because we got grouped in with, small businesses below a certain size and they just dropped
5: coverage. And the, the problem is that it's, it's one thing to say, well, we'll never be targeted because people don't know even know we exist, but that's not true because the majority of these attacks are totally opportunistic. They're coming from files that are being passed around the dark web. And really all you have to do is use uh, open subtitles and all of a sudden you're a target for no reason. Thanks, Miguel.
2: Hurry up the evening. So let's close it with a bang. And uh, this one is really interesting because in this story, uh, ransomware, uh, again, like a hacker reaches out to the person directly. So ransomware hacker's new tactic, calling you directly. And it's a story about this one uh, dad whose son' school district had been hacked and the files were stolen and everything. And he started receiving these threats and calls from the actual hacker. And the school told them nothing. So what do you guys have to say about this story? So, so I, I
0: love this story. I have
1: opinions on this story, too.
0: I, I, I love this story because this is another proof that ransomware gangs are just businesses, and they're just in the dark economy. And they've evolved their economic model to include cold calling and lead generation, which works. So they <laughs> it works. Have, they now have people manning phones doing cold outreach to create opportunities for new ransomware payouts, and and I, I think that's great. We last last uh, last B we saw uh, that uh, ransomware gang was using AnyDesk, which is. Yes. Commercial, you know, admin tools, and now we're seeing ransomware gangs have their own call centers. Yeah. I mean, if if it's not clear that that ransomware is just the dark economy business, then I mean, what else proof do you need?
1: I mean, ransomware gangs should start up their own uh, Salesforce accounts,
6: and keep they track of their customers. They probably, out do. They probably
2: do. Probably <laughs> do. CRM, baby. They're calling well, I think-
6: me day and night shoe. Don't worry about it.
5: <laughs> what's, what's beautiful about this is like if you went away for the weekend and your kids broke your favorite lamp and glued it together and you wrote an article called Why the Light Wouldn't Turn On in the Living Room. This, How did he this have so,
6: a response for every situation?
5: This is It's so unbelievably interesting and beautiful and sad all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the response like, I I party is not named in the article. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay, okay. Mike. Okay, Mike, Steve, and you guys, you you sales guys, hear me out. Okay. Okay. This is what I was thinking of. Imagine a new service for hack notice. Mm
4: -hmm. We
1: okay. So we see that school district in like Oklahoma Mm -hmm. gets breached and data is released, and of course the school district they don't say anything, and they're not required to say anything. They they definitely don't say anything. How about then we notify? every member of that, everyone with a kid in that school districts, so, hey, your school district got hacked. This is a free service provided to you by hack notice, blah, blah, blah. To learn more, contact sales. I, at I, like- uh,
0: <laughs> I'm not surprised that a school district didn't say anything. Uh, it seems like a lot of companies, districts, whatever, think they can go uh, as silence as their only response, which never works, mm-hmm. that never works. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's sad for, for, for the dad and the kid, but also it's, uh, this just shows the dark economy is evolving way faster than, than, than the light economy, because ransomware gangs are, they're evolving quickly.
5: Well, but the problem is, like this goes back to the discussion when we were having back county governments, is that this is not even a factor, right? Like if, if you become the superintendent of schools for whatever district it is, it's because you know the right people, and and had mm-hmm. a you know you had a distinguished career in education, and you know how to connect with kids, and you think you know what the district needs, and maybe what the district actually needs is uh, an announcement policy yeah. when they have a breach. Yeah.
2: I mean, I. I Tom, I, do
5: you want to say something? You
1: <laughs> say.
2: Something. <laughs> Tom, Tom. Tom. Go Tom. Cool. Okay. Um, is, so yeah. cool. I'm sorry.
6: No, no it's okay Shu has a great point i just think it's it's uh targeted different or targeted at maybe the wrong audience and that and then Mike, same thing especially if you're thinking about this from darianne rumson the high echelon the people who are being sending all these uh who have lots of good money for education it's to your point about superintendents and everything else it's if they're going to sabotage something, if cyber and, and hackers are going to, uh, uh, you know, disrupt things, they're going to do it for those folks. So we, I, I, I don't think that the father and the son in this uh, scenario, uh, it, it should be given short shrift because I, because of PII, I don't think you can go to the parents, but you can go to the heads of things, and that's a, should, should be something that should be illuminated that superintendent for everyone else is that are you doing this because everything because of covid because I, I have a first-hand experience with this is they're taking these devices home and everything else so you're you're extrapolating out by a, an exponentially uh threats and that is probably a next next level but,
5: yeah well, this, was, this wasn't a thing when i was in school but i bet you they gave your kids an ipad no but i have a question
6: no you know they have they all have chromebooks and, and, and all this other BS and all this other nonsense. And it's like, it's look. And I, an iPhone, Yeah, I have an
1: iPhone too. And, and, and the time to go to these administrators, school administrators is now before they get hacked, before they get breached. Because now, if, like Mike said, if you're an administrator and you get breached, your first and best reaction is just to stay silent because you're probably under state or federal state laws And those can vary to either like you don't have to report anything to you have to report something, but you have 90 days or
4: something like that. Right. That's an Right. I can't function without my hack notice because I need to know what's coming at me so I don't get killed. I mean, it's so basic.
5: Pack yeah. notice will save your life. It will protect you know, from the bullet. You if you don't know what you've been involved in, yeah. how do you know what's exposed? Well, and how do you know how, how they're going to come after if, you? If
0: you don't know what your threats are, then how can you protect against them? Or you can't. You and cannot. Again, we Hack notice has a free service <laughs> for consumers. Anyone can sign up. And we will monitor the dark darknet and breaches all for you. And so it's not a matter of cost, right? right. These school districts can't blame it on budget because all oh. you have to do is automatically sign up every uh every affected personnel. Everyone.
4: And uh, okay.
0: and, and and then they they're immediately informed about their risks. And, and they Correct. They can sign up the parents and the parents could, could do it with the kid. You know, let's jointly review security for free, by
6: the way. Together. Right. So, so, so real world, we have a portal that we go to. If you want to sign your kid out, if you want to do anything else, that portal, I have to believe is completely, they have no idea who who, who runs that portal. Right. So in exactly. other words, that's the conduit between the school, the child and the parent and everything else that's, that's where it is. That's the intersection of breach and everything else.
0: Yeah, the, the, the problem is that while school districts and companies think silence is their best option, they're never going to be proactive and they're only going to do a disservice to, to the people affected.
5: Yeah. A- ask yourself this, with the school district budget, do you think they are competing for talent when it comes to protecting your kids' information, like let, let's not answer that. Let's just hang, let that hang out.
1: Okay, so so Tom, here's the conversation.
0: All the school district personnel there.
1: Tom, this is this is what happened. Your the school district's insurance cybersecurity insurance company went back to them and said, your portal needs to have MFA, and the administrator is going to say MFA on this software program we use. We just bought that. What's that? They're going to go back to the vendor, and the vendor is going to say, "Ah, eh, it's not on the roadmap." You know right. what I mean? So that's tying all the stories we've had together today. You're welcome. Fair.
5: Fair. You guys know what Taylor Ham is?
1: No. All right. Taylor, Taylor
5: yeah. Ham. <laughs> yep. An episode.
1: It's called Pork Roll. Damn it.
0: This has been an episode of Bourbon and Data Breaches. If you like what you saw today, if you like yeah. weird stuff. Uh please like, comment, and subscribe if you hated everything you saw today.
5: That's probably good for you.
2: <laughs> but still, please comment, like, and subscribe.
0: Yeah, argue in the comment section.